You're listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast. To learn more about Northwest, including our gathering time, visit us at nwcbc.org. Today's speaker will be Pastor Stephen Yi. Well, good morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> good morning. All right, welcome to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church. I am so glad that you are here. What a blessing it is to come together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, before you look up on the screen, uh, I do want to share what happened yesterday. Yesterday, 65 or more brothers and sisters in Christ gathered together here at church to seek God's wisdom and to seek God's help so that we can continue his mission of making disciples of all the nations. And we consider the harvest that he has prepared with all these people that are moving here to the Northwest Valley. We came together to seek God's wisdom and to seek God's help. And I'm so thankful for what a joyous time it was of fellowship and of prayer and um, and seeking God's guidance. Uh, I just want to ask you guys, dear church family, to continue to pray. Continue to pray for God's wisdom. Continue to pray that as he moves, as his spirit moves, in us and around us, that we would follow him as he leads and do the things uh, that he has planned for us to do. Uh, I do have an announcement, as you can see up on the screen. Uh, some of you, most of you may not know that uh, one of our former pastors was Pastor Tim Leung, and he is still alive and serving the Lord today, yet he has also suffered uh, through two strokes and uh, currently at this time, he, he suffered one recently, and, uh, um, and at, in order to recover, his wife has had to stop working uh, to care for him. And so uh, they have reached out to family and friends, uh, first of all, to ask for prayer, for God's healing, for God's provision, for his comfort, but also if it would, we would feel led to also come alongside them financially. And so as a church... As he, uh, he was here before I was here, um, but uh, as, as a fellow pastor, a fellow brother in Christ, uh, we want to do what we can do, what God has blessed us to do. And so I want to invite you, if you, we would like to make a love offering to his family as a church, as a church body here at Northwest. Uh, and so if you feel led to contribute to that love offering for Pastor Tim, I encourage you uh, to make a check out to NWCBC, make it out to our church. But right in the memo, uh, Pastor Tim Leung. Or if you give through Zelle, you can give online, but make sure you type a note that you would like it to go to the love offering or for Pastor, for Pastor Tim Leung. And so uh, in addition to all of your gifts, uh, we'll keep this uh, open um, for the next two weeks. We want to make a push for the next two weeks, especially because then we'll gather it all together. And in addition to all of your giving, uh, the church, uh, we have a benevolent fund to give to those that are in need. We have people that have donated money for this very purpose to help those that are in need. And so in addition to your giving, uh, we, are, we will also add $2,000 as a church uh, to bless uh, this pastor and his family. So please, would you consider giving? Um, would you pray with me? Let's pray for him and his family right now. Heavenly Father God, we praise you. 
God, you are the God of all creation. You are perfect. You are holy. You are righteous. God, you are good. God, we thank you for giving us life. We thank you, God, for how you have provided for us. We thank you, God, that even through difficulty, even through hardship, God, we still know that you are good and you still provide. For God, you have blessed us and provided for our greatest need. And that is our need to be forgiven of sin. That is our need for you because our sin has separated us from you. But yet, God, you so love us that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross, to pay the price for our sin so that nothing would separate us from you anymore. And so, God, we lift up those who are in need today. This morning, we're reminded of our brother in Christ, Pastor Tim Leung and his family. God, we pray for your healing. We pray for your comfort. We pray for your strength. We pray, God, that you would remind him and his family of your presence and of your plan and of your promises. And God, I pray that you would help us as a church to come alongside our brother to help in any way that we can, but to start uh, by praying. And God, secondly, that you would lead us to also give to help them uh, in this time of need. And God, I also want to lift up those who are grieving, those who have lost a loved one. God, we lift up the Donovan family. God, we lift up others who have lost a loved one. We, we lift up those who are struggling with physically, spiritually, mentally at this time. God, we pray for your help. We pray again, God, that, for you, that they would know that you are there and know that you care. And God, we ask for your help. God, we thank you for being a God that cares, for being a God that is love and that loves us so perfectly. And so, God, we lift these prayers to you. We lift these people up to you. And we thank you, God, for being sovereign and in control. And we know, God, that whatever happens, God, it will be to your glory and according to your plan. And so we thank you, God, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I got a question for you all. How many of you have ever said to somebody, if you do this, whatever it may be, if you do this, I will never forgive you? How many of you have ever said that jokingly? Anyone? Does anyone want to admit? <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to raise your hand. Uh, I don't think I've ever said that to anybody, but I hear it. I've heard it many times. I've heard it, you know, in, in movies or in stories. You hear it in, in our culture today. You hear, I've heard people say this to each other. I hear them say it jokingly, right? Don't you dare drink that orange dream boba tea from Da Young. I'm saving that for later. If you drink it, I will never forgive you. Dad, if you embarrass me in front of my friends, I will never forgive you. My kids haven't said that to me, okay? That's not from experience, but I've heard people say this. Other times, I've heard it said seriously, very seriously, right? Uh, if someone ever did that to me, I would never forgive them. But when we think about this phrase, when we think about the reality of the phrase, I will never forgive you, what weight does that really carry here on earth? You know, if, if you think about it, uh, whether we use that term jokingly or in all seriousness, if we use it between human beings, what is the worst that would happen? It will sever our relationship, right? If really, I, if I can't forgive you, that means... 
I don't want to be with you. I don't want to be around you. But I ask you this as a follow-up question. What does it mean when Jesus says this? What does it mean when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, says this? He says, whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. What does Jesus mean? You see, the phrase unforgivable sin, to any spiritually sensitive person, it should strike some fear into us. It it is a reminder that sin is real and that judgment is sure. Actually, if you think about the term unforgivable sin, it's, it's not in the Bible. However, the concept is identified in our text that we're going to study today, and it's referred to as an eternal sin. It refers to a sin that once committed will never be forgiven and will condemn someone eternally to hell. So then that brings up more questions, right? If, if there is an unforgivable sin, then what is it? And then what does that have to do with us as Christians? Does that apply to me as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus? Can I commit the unforgivable sin? Well, we're going to look at it. We're going to look at what Jesus says. And as we're studying, continuing our study through the Gospel of Mark, we see and find ourselves today right after Jesus says in verse 21, or right after Jesus' family accuses Jesus of being crazy, and they come, they're coming to pull him out of his ministry as he is performing miracles and preaching about the coming, the kingdom of God and calling people to repentance. His own family is calling him crazy and coming to get him out of there. So right after we see his family in verse 21 called Jesus crazy, we see this group, this religious delegation from Jerusalem, they have arrived to see what Jesus is all about, to see what's going on with this guy named Jesus. Because Jesus is healing people, he is casting out demons, he's proclaiming the kingdom of God, and saying what? Saying that he does these things with the power and the authority of God. And it's in the the words and the actions of these religious leaders that, that I want to encourage you to pay attention to this morning It's in the words and the actions of these religious leaders that we learn about this unforgivable sin. So I want to invite you, would you open your Bible right now to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. Mark chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. If you want to follow along in your outline, please do so, or you can follow along on the screen. I'm going to read this passage out loud, and would you follow along silently? Mark chapter 3, verses 22 through 30. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. 
Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying, He has an impure spirit. Would you pray with me again? God, we thank you for your word. God, there's no way on our own that we could understand your word. Yet, God, I thank you that your Holy Spirit helps us. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to not only understand your word, but, God, to live out your word and to live out your truth. And so, God, would you help us right now? I thank you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, guys, when we look at this passage, the first truth that we learn about the unforgivable sin is this. The unforgivable sin, it reveals a hardened heart. It reveals a hardened heart. Look at verse 22 with me again. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. And so we see, right? We know Jesus is performing miracles. And the crowds of people are growing daily. His family wants him to stop. They want to take him home. They think he's crazy. And now this group of religious leaders comes, travels hundreds of miles from Jerusalem to check Jesus out. And what do they do after observing Jesus? They reach this conclusion. Jesus is demon-possessed, and he must be stopped. Jesus is demon-possessed, and we must stop him. The the scribes claim he is beelzebul. All right, he is this, people knew this name. All right, this name finds its origin in a false god, Baal. Right, we all know, we're familiar with the god Baal, the false god Baal. And literally, that name means Baal, the prince. The scribes, why are they doing this? They do this to make a direct connection. They're trying to link Jesus with Satan. So they say Jesus is acting and doing these things by the power of Satan. And so they consistently hurl these slurs at Jesus, trying to influence the crowd and all those in observance. They're trying to destroy his reputation, to destroy his ministry. With hardened hearts, they look at the Son of God. They look at the Savior of the world. They look at the supreme embodiment of goodness, of purity, and of perfection. And they declare, they're declaring right here, that Jesus is supremely evil. You see, those who move in the direction of the unforgivable sin, they are aware of Jesus. They have seen Jesus' work. They, are, they have knowledge of Jesus. They, and, and here in this passage, these religious leaders, they have seen undeniable evidence of the power of Jesus Christ and the person of Jesus Christ. They saw him heal people. They saw him cast out demons. But yet, this is true about them. They consistently reject the obvious and logical conclusion that these spiritual works, these miraculous works, have been done by God. They continually attribute the work of God to Satan, and it reveals a hardened heart that calls evil good and good evil. 
And I want you to look at John chapter 8, verse 44. John chapter 8, verse 44. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. You see, when our hearts, when they are hardened, we can see all these things, all these examples of God. We can look out in creation and be reminded of God's amazingness, but we will not listen to God and we will not believe in Him. You see, when we do not trust When we do not believe in God, then we have given ourselves to following the evil one. Right? That's logical. If we are not following God, then who is it that we are following? We are following Satan. We're following the evil one. The unforgivable sin reveals a hardened heart that calls good evil. And it also reveals this. That's our second point. Unforgivable sin, it reveals spiritual blindness. And you see this. We see this in verses 23 through 27. It reveals spiritual blindness. Look at, let me read that section again. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. You see, we see here a spiritual blindness of these religious leaders that is both willful and it is both intent and it is intentional. The spiritual blindness here of the religious leaders is willful. They are choosing to reject the evidence that they see before them. It's willful and it's intentional. And they continue to reject it. In spite of the evidence, in spite of the truth, they continue to reject Jesus. And so what does Jesus do? He responds to these religious leaders by calling them to hear a parable. A parable, a story with eternal significance. This parable quickly, we'll see that it quickly refutes their accusations and it reveals the absurdity of their thinking and of their logic. Just look at verse 23. Jesus makes a simple observation. Why would Satan act against himself? That's a ridiculous thought, right? If what the religious leaders are saying is true, Satan is destroying himself So Jesus states the obvious. Look at verse 24. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. So Jesus is saying if Satan is continually fighting against himself, then he would never accomplish anything. And that's just common sense, right? If I have a goal and I'm working towards something, what sense would it make me to work against my own goal and to work against my own efforts by doing something that is in opposition to what I'm trying to do? We see the schemes of the evil one every day, don't we? We all know and see that Satan is active today, doing what God has just allowed him to do. When we look at the brokenness, we look at the sadness, we look at the misery and the suffering in our world today, we see that Satan is alive, that Satan is active. Satan wants to enslave people in sin, yet Jesus is setting people free from sin. And so how can Jesus 
be working with Satan. It's an absurd thought, but this is what the religious leaders were contending. Obviously, Jesus is doing this by the power of Satan. You see, to not see the reality of the situation, to not see the facts and the truth of what is being shown here, it reveals intentional spiritual blindness. Intentional spiritual blindness. I don't care if that's true. My mind is already made up. I don't care what you say to me. I don't care what Jesus has done. I know what is true, and I have made up my mind already. See, Jesus, he he goes further. He gives another analogy. He gives that analogy of a home divided and to make the same point. And then in verse 27, Jesus refers to Satan as the strong man. So in this little parable here, this additional example, Jesus is the strong man of the house. And so Jesus said, or not Jesus, Satan is the strong man of the house. And so Jesus is saying, well, if you want to rob the strong man's house, don't you first need to tie up the strong man so he can't stop you from stealing everything? Jesus is saying, doesn't that, isn't that, doesn't that make sense? See, Satan is certainly strong in this world. Only given the, allowed to be as strong as God would allow. Satan's house is a house of horrors. It's filled with sin and sickness and death, demon possession and all that is evil and wicked in this world. His desire, Satan's desire, is to spiritually enslave and slaughter all people. And we know how he works. We know he often works with lies. And we know that demons are his army. But don't ever forget, don't ever elevate Satan and forget this one truth. Satan may have some strength on this earth, but Jesus has already conquered Satan. Jesus has already conquered sin and death through his death and resurrection. Jesus is already victorious. And we too, as followers of Jesus, are victorious over sin and death when we put our faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost, but Jesus has also come to destroy the works of Satan and to set the captives free from the bondage of sin. He's come to set you and I free. You look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil. You see, in denying the truth, in denying the truth of what they've seen and what they've heard and the truth and the reality of Jesus Christ who is standing before them, in denying the truth, the scribes, they revealed their intentional spiritual blindness. How many of you have ever done that? I don't want to see it. Don't show me. Don't show me. I don't want to see it. Or I don't want to know that. Don't tell me. This is what the religious leaders are doing when Jesus is standing right in front of their face. Though they see the truth, they intentionally and willfully reject the truth. They choose to reject Jesus, the Savior of the world. See, the unforgivable sin involves This hardness of heart, 
It involves this intentional spiritual blindness. And lastly, when we look at this section of Scripture talking about this unforgivable sin or this eternal sin, it involves a continual declaration. The unforgivable sin, it involves a a continual declaration. And you look at that. In those last few verses, verses 28 through 30, truly I tell you, people can be forgiven I want you to focus in on this part, because this brings us such clarity here. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven of all, for, forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they, are saying, they were saying, he has an impure spirit. Committing the unforgivable sin involves a continual declaration to reject Jesus Christ. See, Jesus, he he concludes this, what he is saying, by saying, truly, 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 I tell you. This is significant for us to look at and focus in on because he's saying, guys, this is... This is truthful. What I am telling you is truth. And you need to recognize it. You need to listen to what I am saying. It's to emphasize that his words are completely true and reliable because he is uniquely the one and the only true living God. He is the one, the Savior of the world, the Messiah, the one that they have been waiting for. And Jesus here declares the gracious forgiveness and mercy of God where he reminds them and he tells them, All sins are forgivable. Right? What does he say? All their sins and every slander they utter is forgivable. He reminds them that he's come in in grace and mercy to forgive their sins. All their sins. Every slander. He's even talking about blasphemy. But that's why this can also be a little confusing, because where he says every slander, because what are they doing, the religious leaders, in speaking poorly, negatively, and speaking against Jesus? They're speaking blasphemy against him, and yet he says here, every sin, every word of slander can be forgiven. Blasphemy and all sins can be forgiven if we do what? If we repent. And we trust Jesus as Lord. If we turn to Jesus, knowing that his sacrifice on the cross, he paid the price once and for all by shedding his blood on the cross for your and my sin. And it's by his grace, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, that we are saved and that people have always been saved. By grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. But look at verse 29. Jesus tells us, right, if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, then you are guilty of this eternal sin and will never be forgiven. Oh, Jesus, are you contradicting yourself? You just said every slander will be forgiven. And so what we need to look then at what is he actually saying? What does he actually mean here? The truth is, is, is that we must understand this, that every sin is forgivable, By Jesus Christ, when we repent and trust Him as Lord, when we put our faith in Him. And so then, if we know that we're saved by grace through faith, and there's no doubt about that, then what is Jesus talking about there? Who is it that will never be forgiven? 
Without faith, it's impossible to be forgiven. You see, the unforgivable sin, therefore, is this, is to willingly, intentionally, and consistently reject Jesus Christ. So then what about Christians? Can we be guilty of committing the unforgivable sin? No. Brothers and sisters, if you have been worried about that, if you have heard mentions of an unforgivable sin anywhere in the Bible and you've worried about it for yourself, wondering if you're saved, I want you to know today, beyond the shadow of a doubt, you can know that you are saved and have eternal life by grace, by God's grace, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord, when you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord today, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that your sins are forgiven and that your eternity is secure with Him for the rest of forever. As Christians, we have seen, we have heard, we believe the good news of Jesus Christ, and we've confessed with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. By grace, through faith in Jesus, we have been, we have now the blessed assurance of eternal life. I want to share this last passage with you. And we're going to finish this message right now. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. How shall we escape if if we ignore so great a salvation? You see, we've, we've heard the good news. We've experienced God working in our lives, and in light of all the evidence of the reality of Jesus, Each of us has a choice to make. Dear friend, in light of the evidence and the reality that there was a man named Jesus Christ that actually walked this earth, that was actually crucified on the cross, in light of what we just read today, you now have a choice to make. You can either trust him and confess him as your Lord, or you can reject him. And see, brothers and sisters, church, family, this passage should be a wake-up call for us as well. It should be a reminder to us of the devastation of sin, and and it should be a warning for those who continue to reject Jesus and refuse to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. You see, a lot of times we're looking for help, in this life and in this world when we come to church and we want to hear God's word, we want to hear a sermon that's going to encourage us and that's going to be practical for our everyday living. And I want to tell you that this truth that I just shared with you could not be more practical. Without Jesus, there is no hope. Without Jesus, you are not living the greatest life. Without Jesus, you have no life. You are actually dead. But in Jesus Christ, There is life eternal, and there is an abundant life. Those of us, my fellow brothers and sisters, you know full well, I know that we struggle in all kinds of ways. And yet, we can still, at the end of the day, praise God. At the end of the day, in the midst of the trials and the trouble, we can still give God thanks and still experience the joy of salvation because we have Jesus, and we will be with Him for the rest of forever. And so the question I leave you with 
this morning? Will you trust Jesus as your Lord today? Brothers and sisters, yes, we don't have to worry about the unforgivable sin, but what about the people that don't know Jesus? What about our friends or our relatives that continue to intentionally and willfully reject Jesus? You see, as long as they're still living and breathing, there's still an opportunity for God to save them, for God to change their hearts and soften their hearts and open their eyes to the reality of who He is. And so we don't stop. We keep praying and we keep proclaiming the good news. We keep praying for their salvation. We do not stop. We do not forget them. We do not grow apathetic because we know that this life is short and this life is not the end. This is not our home. We have something more glorious to look forward to when we are with him face to face. And so we continue the mission. Will you trust Jesus as your Lord? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father God, we praise you. God, thank you for opening our eyes to the truth of who you are, the reality of your son, Jesus Christ. Though we deserve to die, we deserve to go to hell because of our sin. You loved us and you loved us in this way that you sent your one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us on the cross so that all those who believe in him might not perish but have everlasting life. God, I thank you for doing that for me for doing that for my brothers and sisters in Christ. And God, I thank you for your patience. You still give us time. You still give people time to come and to confess Jesus as Lord. And God, I pray that if there's a friend here who has not trusted you as Lord, I pray that right now they would just confess in their heart, in their minds, and even with their mouth right now that they would just say it out loud, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And Jesus, I want you to forgive me. I know that you died on the cross to pay the price for my sin. I know you rose from the dead. Jesus, I confess you as Lord today. God, I pray that they would confess that right now and that if they confess that right now, that they would know that they are forgiven. And God, I pray for, for those of us, my brothers and sisters in Christ, who have already have that blessed assurance of salvation. God, I pray that we would never grow tired of proclaiming the good news, never grow tired of being living in obedience to your word, that we would never grow apathetic to the lost family members and friends that are sitting right next to us, that are all around us each and every day, and that we would continue to give our all, God, so that one more person might be saved and come to that saving faith in your son. God, I pray that together as a church, that we would encourage each other with these things and that we would not stop until we see you face to face. God, we pray that you would help us to see and that you would use us to bring more people to salvation and maturity in Jesus Christ, your son. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Brother, sister, dear friend, if you made a decision today, if you prayed that prayer, placing your faith, confessing Jesus Christ and Lord, I want to invite you to come and share that with me as we sing this song so that I can pray with you and encourage you along your new journey with Jesus Christ. And dear brother and sister, this is for you too as we sing this song. If God is leading you to take some next step with him, 
I want to invite you to share with me or to come up here. And if you want to just pray to God and talk with God today as we sing, as we respond to him, I invite you to come as we sing. Would you rise as we sing this song? If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure to follow us on Spotify and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you stream your podcast. To listen to the other sermons and watch our live gatherings, visit us online at nwcbc.org. We look forward to see the difference God will make in your life. Thank you so much for listening to Northwest Chinese Baptist Church Podcast.